Welcome back, Red Spotters, to another episode of the Red Spotlight Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host here, Alexis Soto, joined today by Francisco David Moreno. How are you doing, Francisco? Very good. That's so good to hear. And today we are going to talk about some news that we have missed in the past week. Uh, it, well, in all, in all honesty, it's been kind of a dry spell. Not so much has been happening, but just enough where, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is. So this week we are discussing Pirates of the Caribbean being rebooted by Disney and Johnny Depp reportedly out as Captain Jack Sparrow. We are also discussing Kathleen Kennedy, president and chief executive officer at Lucasfilm, cancels the Boba Fett film, finally. We're also going to be discussing the future of Marvel Netflix, discussing the recent cancellations of Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and seeing where we are going, if there's even a place we're going, uh, for a future of Marvel shows at Netflix. And then at the end, because, again, as we're the only people that actually care about this, we will uh, give off some speculation and some rumors that we're hearing for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6 and whether or not it is the last season, which, if you've heard uh, any of our recent podcasts, you know how strongly I feel about um, Marvel Studios these days. You know? So there's that. Since 2015, if you've been listening to us, um, and even if you haven't, I'm sure you have seen this, Marvel Entertainment, which is not Marvel Studios, we should say. They, uh, Marvel Entertainment is the TV division so far, and they have uh, ushered in uh, a litany of different properties in the Marvel comics. And most of their shows, aside from Legion and The Gifted, do take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, as we have been a constant uh, reminder in their faces... Um, this whole thing of it's all connected has been complete um, malarkey, if you will, um, because in the movie side anyway, yes, the movies and the TV shows of the MCU are in the same universe, quote unquote, but you never really see a reaction um, from the film. The way that I see it anyway, while they may exist in the same universe, at this point, I've just I've drawn a line between the two because it. For me, the movies are just the movies are the movies, and that's that. And I keep them separate. Like whatever happens in them can affect what's happening in the TV shows, but nothing that ever happens in the shows will 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 ever make any kind of ripple effect into the movies. That's really how I see it. Because just to recap, look, you have two heads. You have Ike Perlmutter who runs Marvel Entertainment, and you have Kevin Feige who runs Marvel Studios. They don't like each other. There was a big scuffle. Everybody at this point should know that's what happened and that's where this division happened along. Um, because and, – and that happened right around – around the time that Marvel Netflix started started to become a thing and after the second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because if uh, for Francisco and I who have seen the show from the very beginning, uh, we know that in the first two seasons there was much more of an effort to connect that show and the films – because you would have Nick Fury and Maria Hill and a whole bunch of other stuff come onto the show that was concurrently happening in the movie universe. But after the season two con- uh, concluded and then when Daredevil launched, that was the division line in the sand where I- well, Perlmutter and Feige you know, went their separate ways. 
And then as far as what uh, Francisco was saying about uh, agreeing with the fact that, yeah, that I consider the movies and the TV things and the TV shows their own thing, you know, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was first on and especially in those first two seasons, I'm like, well, yeah, they're the same universe. But then I'm like, I've – and a lot of things have happened, mind you, and I'm sure you've heard all the shows that we've done before. But I'm at the point where, you know, it's like – who cares? You know, I'm like, you know, they're not, Marvel isn't really putting in the effort at all, you know, to connect all these different things. I've already made mention of the fact that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is dying on the vine because you can't keep track of how many sub-universes there are. It's not just the TV universe now. It's also another TV universe that does connect to the films that it's about to be, um, that's about to start that I, I heard the other day that Hawkeye is now being considered to have his own show along with Nick Fury and Scarlet Witch or Loki. Those are the, the characters that are being considered for their own TV series on the Disney streaming service. Not only that, then you have what all the other ones that, you'll, that you're seeing on – what's it called? Uh, you have all these three different pocket universes and then you're not even mentioning – oh, yeah, the Sony Marvel movies – the other Marvel shows that are not, you see, it's, it's all just be getting a bit too much to follow. Um, and when you have that, and especially when you have all of it becoming more or less the same, then it begins to kind of like cascade into nothingness. And which is the theory that I've been propelling for the past few weeks about what's going to end up happening with the cinematic universe. Not that I want it to happen. I don't want it to go anywhere. I want it to succeed and keep going. But I'm just trying to tell you people that this is how I feel. I'm just reading this. I'm reading the signs here. Like Jennifer Lawrence says in uh, the wonderful Silver Landings Playbook, which everyone should see. It's a beautiful film with Bradley Cooper. So I don't know why nobody ever talks about that film. I love it. Um, but as far as this is concerned... Um, I'm, I've, I've just like, you know, I've grown okay with the fact that the, the, the TV shows and the, and the films should say their own thing at this point, because they're not going to try, we're not going to get it. And so I've just, in my mind, I'm not going to get upset about that anymore. And especially if you saw Avengers Infinity War and the hurdle, I mean, I, I honestly don't, I, mean, I don't even think the Russos get enough credit for juggling all of those characters just that they have in the films, not even to mention bringing in some other people. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, I think, bringing in people like the, like the Defenders or even the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into some places to where the Avengers are because what, what makes Infinity War work so well is, aside from the Guardians, you have all of these people that have already known each other. That's a film that happens when you've already had 19 plus movies of character development and it just starts off and it goes. And even then you still have these mini little like three minute arcs for every character. But that's just the thing. It's like I can't expect seriously the Russos to just, OK, how are we going to put in Daisy Johnson in here and, and Yo-Yo Rodriguez and, and Luke Cage? Where are we going to find a spot for them to shine when they haven't even been in any of the films? And that's kind of the thing. I mean, it's also... While the fans will know what those things are, I think there is some sense to be made from the from the studio executive or even the the creative uh, direction of the film is what sense would it make to put this character in there to the point where we're not going to because when we've seen that happen, while it's pleased us, I think of Rogue One, I think of Solo, 
the films that went out of their way to put in a lot, a lot of great Easter eggs, but then also a lot of cameos. And I think about how those moments played to a general audience. Now, I'm two minds about that. They're harmless, you know? If, if you don't know who they are, it's not going to, I think, seriously dour your view of the movie. On the other hand, if you are a huge fan of Star Wars like you and I both are, then you're going to know those references. You're going to feel like, oh, I know that. And it's like it's, it's crazy little wonderful Easter eggs that fill you with excitement that, you know, it's, it's part of your fandom for this, for this property. But then the problem that has accumulated because of that, Rogue One and Solo, which I have no ill will toward, by the way, while they both have their problems, I enjoyed them in their own different, you know, I enjoyed Rogue One a lot more. But a film... The quality of a film, in order to be something special, in order for it to be something that I think can stand the test of time, not that everything does, but it needs to add something new, but it can't just be reference the movie. And it also can't be hindered by it. And I think one of the negatives that a lot of us had on this network about a lot of those, especially Solo, was nothing but reference the movie. It was just, hey, I'm Han Solo. I'm going to be doing this in a week. Here's some celebrity cameos. Here's some, oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, he, he killed Aura Singh. Wonderful. Oh, here's Maul. And, like, that. what does that do? It doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, so now you're telling me as a fan that Aura Singh is gone. Okay. Not that I care too much, but now I, I guess she's dead. Whoop-de-doo. Oh, there's Maul <laughs> cameo? Like... The difference between, and you know, that, that's getting into a different thing about comparing Star Wars and Marvel, which I want to be clear, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm really making a comparison about bringing in Easter eggs and references, and they have their place in film. Like, uh, a, a, good one that, a good one that pops up to mind is Red Skull in Infinity War, one that I think had tremendous payoff. Not that his character meant so much, but he was integral to the plot. It was a nice callback going to the... To, to the early days of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it was fun, but it didn't like, it didn't hinder the film either, and so well, actually, all of this. Yeah, go ahead. Go I, well, ahead. The one movie that actually did like really well with the Easter eggs was Spider-Man: Homecoming. So, like, if yeah. you remember, he's in the science class, and you see pictures of all these scientists, and then Banner is in it, and then you get the principal, mm -hmm. who's a like a great great grandson, the of, descendant of one of the Howling Commandos. Yeah, and then you get Tony mm -hmm. Stark. I mean. I know he's like a character in the movie, but in a way, he's an Easter, Easter egg. <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming may be the best representation of what we're talking about when they, they really used the skin of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and infused that into the formula of the film. And I love Homecoming. <laughs> I really do love Homecoming. And I think, uh, I mean, yeah, and it, we, the moments where Captain America is you know, like, uh, which now has become a meme. Um, uh, the detention video thing or the, or the PE thing. I mean, it, it's beautiful. Um, and those things have lives of their own. But it, what, what we don't want to happen is the opposite effect where Admiral Akbar, as a character in Star Wars, when you look into the extended mythology and to the Clone Wars and other parts, there is a character to be had there. But I want to bring this up because just to, to really kind of like tell people that this is where we're coming from and not to sound mean-spirited or dismissive of what they like. But when, when Peter says 
that Admiral Akbar is a meme, that he's not really a character, we well, gotta look back at episode six. Was Admiral Akbar really like a character of consequence in the film? He had maybe a few minutes of screen time. He was there in the battle. He was important to the the battle, but as far as Return of the Jedi and the character arcs and the storyline and the and, and what meant most about that film, he was just somebody that was there. And I think that's just the difference that we're not seeing here between a character that's just something that's there and a character that actually experiences growth and change. And that's the difference between a character arc and one that just stays the same. And so what I don't want that to happen is, well, in the example of Admiral Akbar, people were offended. I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit hurt that he just died off like that in Last Jedi, but it wasn't the end of the world. You know, it's just, shit happens. It's just a reality. I'm not going to, like, you know, derail the entire film of Last Jedi, because one thing that I, I mean, here's my thing about that Admiral Akbar thing. Would have I liked to have seen something more um, respectful for his death, would you say? Yeah, but at the end of the day, that's a character that wasn't of much consequence. And from what I saw, the Last Jedi adaptation, the comic book adaptation actually had a nice little moment for him that redeemed that. So go there. There. There's your there's your canonical death. Go there. There. They fixed it for you. Okay? But then I also understand, well, I've also... The reason why it kind of bugged me about Admiral Akbar, like a little bit, it, it didn't register as an actual criticism of the film when I first saw it. But it kind of reminded me of, well, the Warriors 3 were so dispatched with by Hela and Thor Ragnarok. Or when you go to Kingsman, the Golden Circle, where Mark Strong's character was so just like unceremoniously dispatched with. Uh, or even the, or even in the beginning of the Golden Circle, where you have his own dog, or and then also the other girl character just die in a horrific explosion that's, when they were such integral moment of the first movie that's the thing that pissed me off the most in that movie oh my god there were so many things that was just wasted potential on that movie right i mean yeah the golden circle is an interesting one for sure um but hey it had elton john in it <laughs> so there's <laughs> so there's that but you see i'm bringing up examples of which i myself am at conflict with for Kingsman and for uh, Thor Ragnarok, those were, you know, things that I didn't like about it. Um, and it's it's not so much that I, I view it as like a huge negative on the movies themselves, but a negative as far as a trend that we're seeing in sequels in general. With this, it's like that thing where um, I haven't seen Alien 3, um, but from Aliens to Alien, like the people that... Um, that Sigourney Weaver is with are just killed off. They're killed off in the opening like scene moments of the next movie. And I'm like, okay, the audience has grown with the, those were characters that were huge in aliens and you just, just get rid of them. So that's like, that's a commentary that I don't know where it came from, but I'm just trying to like, all of these things are trying, are kind of connected in some weird way that I'm just, I want to get out there right now as to, all of these things. But the point about Last Jedi is that wasn't a reason enough to derail the film or to even get in the mix of it. It, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. Marvel has done great with moments like that, that have been satisfying, that have been rewarding. But the problem is 
those individual moments, those little Easter eggs, they're fine. They're nice. They're great. They have lives of their own. But those moments don't are not why I consider some of those films to be great. Not in the, not in the not not even in. I mean, yeah, they're they're positives for the movie. But like when I think about Winter Soldier or Guardians of the Galaxy or Volume Two or Infinity War, it's not the individual moments for why I love those films and think that they're great. But it's the overall story and it's the overall execution of it for what makes you know the quality of something truly special, and which is why moving back to the Marvel Netflix things, when this first began, everyone, and I mean everyone, especially everybody on this network, was so infatuated by it. Daredevil season one is still one of the best seasons of television I've seen in recent memory. I think it's easily by far one of the best ones, especially Daredevil in general, season one and season two. I think were great. Great execution, great writing, great characters, great acting, and they really hit the ground running. I mean, they had their issues, sure. What what TV show doesn't? But they were successful, and they made an impact that that really set the the, the Netflix universe on a great you know pedestal. You know, it it was really looked at as the premium of what Marvel could do. In some, I mean, there are people that you know in the past have said they prefer the Netflix shows over even the films. You know, and many, many fans, much to my chagrin and my great everlasting hatred toward, uh, would easily even erase Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when there was a time when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the only other Marvel TV show aside from the Netflix shows. When so many just like, you know, jumped off that show and went off to the others. But, you know, it wasn't because of like, it wasn't, of course it was warranted. Jessica Jones season one, I loved. I loved Luke Cage season one. And, you know, you had like four like consecutive seasons where while people did have issues with Jessica Jones season two and, and Luke Cage season one, and I did as well. Um, and we said back when we reviewed those seasons that there were some beginning issues with these seasons that we're going to get into in a bit. Overall, they were still worth watching and they were still an event in and of themselves. So when you think about how successful and we and of course it obviously helped that people knew that this was building up to the Defenders, which would be the MCU's Avengers version on TV, on Netflix, which all of us were excited for. Mm -hmm. And then came Iron Fist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, you might have to track this universe, the lifespan or the shelf life of this universe. And like, there's before Iron Fist and there's after Iron Fist. Because um, this might have changed everything. And I think for a lot of us, I, I, I'd say for sure it altered our overall feelings toward this. Iron Fist Season 1 may have killed the, the Marvel Netflix universe in, in more ways than one. It was a disaster of a season and a disaster of a show. And what may have been even worse is Defenders and how, you know, it's just a strange thing because I remember when Defenders came out, we were all like really enjoying it. We liked it initially. But then as time went on, I noticed initially I'm like when I tried rewatching it, I'm like, this isn't really doing it for me. What's going on? And then... That was followed up by, well, in the Marvel, 
in the Marvel thing, it was Punisher, but then before that, we had Unhumans, and I'm like, oh, if you want to hear that review, we have it in weeks past. But of course, Inhumans notwithstanding, the next thing was Punisher, and Punisher was better, better than Defenders, and better than Iron Fist season one. It wasn't great. A lot of people were like, this is the best Marvel Netflix show, and I'm like, no, it's not, and it still had the same issues that's uh, like every other. And you see that 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 right there is one of the many problems here. Is it still feels like the generic Marvel Netflix season? And what is that? It's in a stretched out story for thirteen episodes, and by the time we get to like episodes nine, ten, and eleven, we're like, what's this thing gonna get over with? There's there there's this burnout. By the end of these seasons, off the top of my head of what I've seen, you see Luke Cage season one. Iron Fist was just a fail. I don't know if I should mention that. Jessica Jones season one even kind of like, you know, struggled toward the last two episodes. Um, even Daredevil season two had a little bit of an issue with uh, with toward the end. While there was a great finale, there was just some like sluggish moments. Obviously, Defenders. Obviously, Punisher did not need to be 13 freaking episodes. Um, I haven't seen Jessica Jones season two or Luke Cage season two or Iron Fist season two. I think you may have, and we'll get to that, Francisco, in a bit. But overall, I think it's important to acknowledge that this is the overall issue with these shows. And what we have learned, anyway, um, which is if you've heard that Luke Cage has been canceled in a lot of ways, um, one of the one of my sources uh, for which I, you know, I listened to, and he told, and he said that that in the contract, it may be that um, if, because we all know that originally when Marvel negotiated this with Netflix, it was for like, it was for all of the Marvel Defenders individual shows, and, and then the Defenders one-off series, and then blah, blah, blah. But the deal was for 13 episodes. But apparently in that contract, and what the lawyers put in there from representatives of Marvel, if the seasons were less than 13 episodes as originally agreed upon, that would mean – and whoever's decision to order that many episodes ended up being Netflix at first. But if they ordered less than 13 episodes, that would mean Marvel gets paid less, which I think is infuriating. When that's been the reason why so many of these seasons have been like brought down on top of the fact that Marvel themselves doesn't seem to be paying that much money to these shows. But apparently they are putting in money into it. So where the hell is the product? So you see, it's kind of like the cycle of incompetence to where you're putting money into the show. The end result is not showing that you've done more than just find some nice little alley in the dark to fight in and then they're overly long because you want to be paid more and i'm not saying that of course it's a big surprise that a corporation want to be paid more money of course i mean no shit but when you are seeing when we are seeing that that is becoming a systematic issue that is bringing down the quality of these individual shows overall You'd think that at some point you, you'd maybe, well, if we want to keep this thing going, we might want to maybe take a pay cut, which they had to for Iron Fist Season 2, which was 10 episodes. 
um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, we are seeing now a decline. Luke Cage has been canceled. Iron Fist has been canceled. They're not doing Defenders Series 2. Daredevil Season 3 just aired. And Punisher and Jessica Jones are in the middle of filming seasons. And it kind of just looks like the dominoes are going to fall. And we know which way they're going to fall. And there are other, you know, extenuating circumstances that will ultimately be the reason why that's happening. But focusing on quality right now... Um, and I think that's important because you have to ask yourself this question. Why are nobody talking about these shows anymore? That's just the problem. At one point, as I mentioned before, there were events. There were things that you'd go to immediately and you stream. And you consume the media and you talk about it like we do on the show. Luke Cage shut down Netflix. <laughs> right? Was it the first season, right? Yeah. It, it was a big deal. And now, here in 2018, I think Francisco may be the only one of our cohort here that have actually seen all the new Marvel Netflix shows. I know Kyle has seen Jessica Jones Season 2, but he hasn't seen Punisher. He hasn't seen Iron Fist both seasons. He hasn't seen Luke Cage Season 2. I haven't seen anything Marvel Netflix in 2018. I haven't seen Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Iron Fist or even Daredevil. While I am on the record as being excited for season three of Daredevil, the reviews are really great. And of course, that's the one great show that you have. Um, and even I've said, well, maybe you should just end it there because if, if it is a great season, it'll be a great finale overall to Daredevil and the Marvel Netflix era. I still can't bring myself to care. I mean, okay, at this point, I haven't seen Luke Cage season two or Iron Fist season two, and why would I now that they've been canceled? So there's that. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. That, that's what it is. Um, but you see, that there you have a correlation between a dip in quality and a dip in ratings. Because why are these shows not only no longer considered events, but why are nobody, nobody is talking about them? We haven't even seen them. Francisco, um, I've talked for thirty minutes. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speak anymore for at least another ten minutes. So, you can respond to anything and everything I've said or not, and then also tell me um, your interpretations or many like um, impressions of the season twos of Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist, which we haven't even talked about on this show at all. So. You know what? I want you to talk for at least 10 minutes. If you can try, just go for it. We'll see. Well, it is a big disappointment that uh, uh, what is it? Iron Fist and Luke Cage got canceled because both seasons, both of their seasons ended in like big cliffhangers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Especially like the one that I think I care about the most is Luke Cage because he took a, his character took a bit of a different turn the end and it's kind of like well like how if if they were to make a third season like how is this going to play out you know and i mean i mean i agree it's just it's so weird that they don't try to put so much effort into these shows anymore and they already had an audience they had a built-in audience and you just let it go mm -hmm. it's because of iron fist <laughs> no one cared and like and I really affected Defenders for them. 
because they saw they they were like Daredevil, Luke Cage, oh, Iron Fist, why? <laughs> and then what happened? Jessica Jones, like I Jessica Jones season two, I didn't expect it to be like better than season one, but I I kind of hope, but I was hoping that it would kind of like slow down. Mm-hmm. and just kind of like take its time with its character and maybe develop it get her out of this PTSD type of thing and it, it did that but I didn't like the way they, they did it and then Luke Cage for my thoughts for Luke Cage season 2 and Iron Fist season 2 for Luke Cage what I really liked about the season is it actually that one took it slow the the season went by felt very slow paced but they did something with Luke Cage's character that kind of like really developed him throughout the whole season and like got him to where he is at the end which I like I understood why he was that way um Iron, Iron Fist season 2 that one that one didn't feel slow paced the 8 episodes actually helped it a lot no no 10 episodes because they took the time to like fix what they did from the first season and kind of like make every character different from the first and and he also did something kind of like pretty epic like when I can't remember what episode it was it might have been like seven or eight but they bring up something and I'm kind of like oh my god please pull through through this like make it do it and they did and they got me so hyped if they were to make a third season um, so far what I've seen from Daredevil, it's, it's fucking amazing. I mean, <laughs> uh, what is it? Wilson Fisk, the dude's just scary. He's scarier than the first season. Oh my God. Wow. And, uh, I like what they're doing with Daredevil. I was kind of disappointed that they went back to the black suit, but it makes sense for the story. So it's kind of fine. Um... And what one theory that I've heard that people think could happen was the Heroes for Hire. Do you know what that is? Yes, I know. Heroes for Hire is – well, I don't know how you don't know what that is because everybody keeps mentioning about it. <laughs> it's, that Lu- it it's that Luke Cage, Iron Fist comic run, which ironically enough happened because both Luke Cage and Iron Fist, the comic books, weren't making enough money. So they put them together. <laughs> um, and a lot of fans were, th- were speculating that Marvel wanted to do that. And just to, to add even more on to that, um, my uh, – uh, Fantastic Geek Podcast, one of the um, reporters on there, his sources tell him that – um, Netflix rejected a lot of the, the scripts that they had written for Luke Cage season three and that they wanted them to bring in the Iron Fist characters and to retroactively morph those characters with Luke Cage season three, which was not at all what the showrunners were even going going for. And so that may have played a part. That may have been how Netflix was trying to like do a Heroes for Hire thing, which is I, I did hear that Luke Cage did have one episode with Iron Fist in season two of his show where uh, Danny Rand showed up. But um, that also may have played a part in the cancellation, um, just you know, to give more onto that. But you were saying? Yeah, so that's one thing people were putting out, and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, do it. 
because again the way Luke Cage ended like I feel like only Iron Fist can fix it <laughs> I know it's kind of like vague but you probably don't get what I mean but it like it could work it could really be a great story if they wanted well that. you know what I'm not going to see them so just go ahead and tell me I mean, I know, speaking on behalf of Peter and Kyle, we're not going to see them at this point, so just go ahead and tell me what it is, the big thing that they were, the big cliffhangers that, that you thought would have been, like, uh, you know, addressed. So, with Luke Cage, um, there was a villain that wanted to take over Harlem because, I guess, like, his family took over it, but it was, um, oh, man, what's her name? Mariah Stokes? Her family took over Harlem, basically, and, like, left the the villain to the side. Right. And, oh, my gosh. For season two, Mariah Stokes, she has an amazing scene in the in that season that, like, hmm. I don't know if you should just, like, skip to it or something, but, like, oh, my God. But, Isn't it Mariah Dillard? Hmm? I thought it was Mariah Dillard. Um... Mariah Stokes is this character. I don't know. Hey. No, I'm talking about this. We're talking about the same person, but I, I thought her last name was Dillard from season one of Luke Cage. Oh. Hmm. Not Stokes. But it, it may have been. Regardless, I, I've been on record saying that I love Mariah yeah. from season from season one. I thought she was, I thought she was a hoot. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad that she was better in that season. Heck yeah. But what I'm getting at is you're like, what was the big thing about Iron Fist mm. that would have like been great for a season three? Uh, well, it was like I'm finished with Luke Cage though. Is that okay. so? Because of the events that was happening, like one villain trying to take over Harlem, the other one trying to keep its place, they both sort of lose it, and Luke Cage sort of takes control of Harlem, but like not in a like a Cape Crusader type of way. Like he's literally like a gangster mm. in towards the end of the season. Like he's like he's keeping an eye out on people that like sell drugs and guns, like. And he told them, tells them, like, if I catch you, like, your business is done. But, like, since I can't do anything now, like, you're fine. And, like, in the season ends, he's wearing a suit, like, a nice suit. And he's at the club where my Mariah Stokes owns. And he's, like, like over- overlooking everything. And, like, right beneath him is, like, some other um, gang members, the people that sell drugs and the guns. Like, they're right there. And he's not doing anything about it. And it's just kind of like it's 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 a scary thing because he's trying to keep the peace, making sure no one gets hurt and everything. But he's kind of like being the the powerhouse of the whole uh, of um, Harlem, you know. Mm. So it's kind of scary. And so and with Iron Fist season two, like I said, they did they took their time into developing these characters into something different, something better than the first. And the thing that I was talking about that like I couldn't believe they went through was that the the girlfriend from season one I forgot her name Colleen yeah Colleen um, so the villain wanted to take away Iron Fist's power and like he did that he actually like he got it and his his fist glows red while like Danny's glows gold and so the plan was we're, we're gonna capture him and get it, take away his powers but. Um, Danny said, I'm not going to take it back, though. I don't. Uh, the What that power did to me, what, how it changed me, I don't like it. And you don't like it either. He's talking to Colleen. And if I take it back, I'm just going to be that same person again. 
So I think you should take it. He's pointing to Colleen. He's telling Colleen to take that power and like, because she deserves it the most. She's the one that does good, not just by saving people, but like helping a community. And like she deserves it. So the most. she she basically became the new Iron Fist. Yes, she did. And wow. like she she actually like I thought like oh they're just gonna be like some last minute thing that he's gonna take it back. That's what I thought, but no, she actually got it. She got like a tattoo on her arm that's the, that's the the dragon, and when wow. her fist glows, it's white, and it's kind of like. And it was a big action scene with the villain and her at the end. And they both have the Iron Fist. And, oh, my God, it's so badass. So you're telling me even the show admits Danny Rand is a... It's just bland, Danny Bland. Yeah, because he, he's just you new know, like that. And like, and what I like about his character, though, is that he he admits this, that the power changed him. He he doesn't like the person he is. But he, he still wants that power. So he, like, at the end of it, he... um he like leaves and tries to like find a way to get the power back but in his own right. way in a better way and so like and like literally literally right at the end Colleen saving the neighborhood and like she has this sword that like that was passed down through like generations and it turns out her descendants were one of the people that were the first iron fist oh. and, you, and you see her take out the sword her hand is glowing and it makes the sword glow too Oh crap! Yes, and like that was so cool. And then and he then goes back to Danny, and he's like in China or something. I don't know where exactly. But they're talking to these guys, and they're like, "Hey, we're looking for like we wonder where this came from and all that, blah blah blah." And and then they go, "Wait, you you're the one that stole our package? Like, what the heck? Give it back!" And he's like, "Oh, you're looking for these?" And he's like showing these guns. And I'm kind of like, what the heck? And it was it was funny though too because he stands up and he's dressed like a cowboy. I noticed that the that's, that's the first thing I noticed. And then he shows the guns. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then he pulls them out and his hands are glowing and so are the guns. And like he literally like shoots the bullet and it kind of like curves and it like stops another bullet. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's that was the big cliffhanger. And so that's why I want the heroes for hire because the way Luke ended being the whole the big gangster no one's gonna stop him i want the heroes for hire because iron fist is really the only one that can like get him back to his senses yeah it sounds like both shows really curtailed towards some kind of like conclusion and then a a new beginning for both of the characters and i think from what you're telling me a heroes for hire series does make like the most, like the next progression in that evolution of those characters. The problem is, though, it looks like from our reporting, not our reporting, but the Fantastic Geek podcast reporting, that Netflix is trying to kind of make that happen, but that didn't happen. And if you cancel Luke Cage, I mean, are you expecting a Heroes for Hire show on Netflix? I mean, why not? Like, that's literally what everyone keeps talking about, even, like, before Defenders. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're open to it. Do you think it's going to happen? Um, because there are other things. And you know what? Hold on to that in a bit. So we can we can go into this next bit about why why it is that all of these flies are dropping, so to speak. And there are many who are speculating um, out there that Disney is secretly behind this. And I think overall, that's kind of what's going on here. 
not to negate all the other <laughs> reasons for why this could be happening. I mean, if we look at that from Netflix's perspective, all of the shows across the board, the ratings are dropping. Netflix is burning through money. They're making like 80,000 shows and movies a year. So if you're not doing it, they may have to end up getting being more cutthroat than broadcast networks. So and they literally are. They're just cutting a bunch of things and they're doing it every year now. And so and based on a re, on a on a on a study someone did, the social media response to all these seasons, like what I said, has actually been diving. So at this moment, from Netflix, from their perspective, it doesn't doesn't seem to make as much sense anymore to keep them around because they're just not what they were. And they know Netflix is no longer in a position where they need them. They, they they just don't. So there's that. And as far as Disney's perspective, well, Peter Martinez called it when this Disney Fox thing happened from the beginning. <laughs> All those defenders are gone. And that's exactly what's happening. I mean, a lot of people think, well, that means that Disney uh, is making Marvel cancel these shows and so that they can bring them over to the Disney streaming service. Okay, well... How do I how do I say this without yeah. So I heard from somewhere that the way they look at ratings for the Netflix shows is not by mm-hmm. like the views they get on Netflix, it's by mm-hmm. the talk on social media. Yeah. So then a part of me does think maybe they can't they might do a Heroes for Hires because again, that's what everyone's well, I mean, talking about. Let, let, let me reiterate in case I wasn't clear. What I was saying about the numbers dropping, they don't tell us their ratings. And of course, that's not all they do. But but the numbers that I was saying that the that the popularity of the shows have decreased were the social media numbers. So the social media numbers were significantly down. I can share the article with you after this, but they were down from like every single season beforehand. So but Disney is not going to bring over. The, okay, let, let me see if I can if I can make this as clear to understand. Disney is probably telling Marvel Entertainment, "Hey, we don't want these shows on Netflix anymore. There's just no interest for us anymore. We're taking all of our content off Netflix, and even though we may not have the the rights to just go ahead and continue these shows on our streaming service, we don't care." We would rather probably not have those shows continuing on. Like, honestly, if you're Disney, what sense would it make to have these shows on Netflix continue the way they are? When your streaming service, you want that to be the thing for all things, the place for all things Marvel, right? So there's just no interest for Disney for, for that to happen. And that just so happens to concur with the fading interest of Netflix. So Disney might have relayed that message to Marvel Entertainment and that perhaps might have made them more feisty than usual in their negotiations for more seasons. And, I mean, in a year's time, I'm thinking Daredevil's gone, Jessica Jones is gone, Punisher's gone, and that's that. There are no more Marvel shows left to cancel. And I think as we're seeing the dominoes fall this way, that's what's happening. Unfortunately, these characters have to suffer because of corporations and, you know, them being what they are. But it certainly looks like to me that that's, that's, that's the motivation 
And at the same time, we know for a fact they don't want them even on their own streaming service because why would they? They're going to be using the characters from the movies on their own streaming platform. Like I mentioned before, Hawkeye is in serious development, as I heard the other day. So it doesn't make sense why they would even want Daredevil or Jessica Jones when they can just have their own versions on their own streaming service. It does make sense why they wouldn't want those shows to keep going on. So, you know, it's just one of those things where corporations are being corporations and fans seem to suffer in the end. But that's, I think that's exactly what's happening. And I think it's, I think it's sad, really, in the end of it, that this is how it's ending and then also that it couldn't sustain the quality. A big reason for why... I think people just don't watch them is because, you know, the first few seasons were amazing and then they just couldn't sustain that quality. They just, it, it was competing against themselves. And then that happened. So I think we're just seeing a combination of things, like a perfect storm, and there's just nothing that can really overcome it. And my only silver lining is if Daredevil season three is as good and great as everybody is saying, well, at least we'll have that finale. At least that'll be a great, you know, capstone to the entire Daredevil era and the Netflix era. That's not a bad way to go out on if... I mean, there are more seasons, but if you want to look at it as the last season, it makes sense to me. You start it with Daredevil and you end with Daredevil. And it may not be so bad in the end. I mean, in the end, if these other three seasons or if these other two seasons are, you would have... 13 whole seasons of television produced in three or four years. That's a lot of seasons. That's a lot of episodes. That's nothing to scoff at. For a while there, it was a great run. But like everything else with the name Marvel on it, things um, they, they, they're not sustaining themselves. And um, it's sad. It really is. I, I, I just, you know... I mean, look, look at this here. You've had the four main defenders have seasons and no one seems to be, you know, you know bad an eye about it. And, I mean, as far as we're, we're talking about the Marvel things, I mean, I, and again, I, I don't mean to come off as, like, you know, putting anybody down and, like, getting their hopes up. If you, if, if you think it's going to go another way, by all means. But it's like I have already written off my favorite TV show um, from coming back. I mean, some people were speculating that um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would – eventually move on to Disney play. Um, it certainly would make the most sense, especially more so than any of the Netflix shows for, for, for that to be on Disney play. Um, and even when season five was about to be canceled or season six, anyway, was about to be canceled. There was some 11th hour interest from streamers. Some sources were pointing to Hulu or Netflix who were interested, although they wanted ABC to officially, you know, cancel it before they would want to go into, into negotiations about saving the show. Which suggests that there is interest for people out there that want this show um, continuing on. But the fact that Disney, which we should mention did save this from being canceled about two years ago, um, has now – I think they've shown their hand. There's no interest and there's, I think there's no way that they would want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on their streaming service when they can just have all of these other shows like Nick Fury or – or Hawkeye and and Loki and what I said before is that Agents of Shield eventually became a show that didn't need to be bothered with connecting things, you know. And the fact is, Agents of Shield ended up suffering initially because people wanted 
Agents of Shield to be what these new shows are going to be, Nick Fury or Loki. They just wanted they just wanted basically a staging ground for what could connect. And I'm happy that Agents of Shield grew beyond that and it became its own creative force all in and of itself. But, you know, there's such a bit of anger in me that of course that's what these people get in the end just more and more of the same. Um and yeah, I mean, at, at least to me, it's like, at the very least, we have one final season. And I don't know how, and maybe that may be what's best, because I've been thinking to myself lately, where where else can they go that they haven't already? And that's where I'm kind of thinking about what season six going to do, because it seems like from rumors that we're hearing that it may, that some things may continue on in the form of, of a villain or a storyline. But before we get to that part of the speculation, your thoughts on what I just said about S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and its future and the whole Disney Play thing and yada, yada, yada. And and the, and the streaming service, because and I should know that you were so pissed when they announced that streaming service initially years ago. And this is this streaming service is beginning to kill a lot of things that we feared it might. But your thoughts. No, I mean, I, I didn't like the, what is it, Disney Play thing from the beginning. I just It just gives more people a chance to freaking download stuff. I don't know. And I don't even like the part where they're making shows for each of the characters. Like, oh my god. It's, it's already a lot. As for... Well, let, let, me, let me... Okay, so you're saying that you, you're, you're not really excited... For the individual like Hawkeye or Nick Fury shows happening on Netflix on on, on Disney Play, no, not really. And why? What's that? Because you feel like there's not enough there. Uh, well, for one thing, Scarlet Witch. I told you this. Like, there, I think she has like so much potential being in the movies, and like, like I told you my theory. Like, she should be in the Doctor Strange movie. Just like I agree hundred percent that she has I've been magic for that. Yeah, and then I mean, <laughs> literally, Hawkeye could work for a show, but like, just do what you did with. Uh, Black Widow and just have him like as a partner you know but there's also the question is these shows are not going to clearly they're going to be set in the past and they're going to be prequels which we've seen what happens when you do I mean Captain Marvel's a prequel but there's an exception right but these shows don't feel like a natural organic creation they feel like corporate mandated creations for them to be sold as a product and nothing more. And when that happens, that's when the bad stuff usually comes from. As far as Hawkeye, I mean, at this point, that should be a character that should die in Avengers 4 because there's nowhere to go. There might be a great arc because he might become Ronan in Avengers 4, which that would be an amazing finale to that character if you do that. But... There's no need for a show. Black Widow, you could also just, if, you, if you're going to kill off Captain America, just kill off Black Widow. There's no, there's just no point. Clean the slate. Make it a bigger finale and a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. And even if, like, like Loki or Scarlet Witch, like, yeah, I agree with what you said. Continue. Loki wants stupid, too. <sighs> um, now then for Future of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, it's really like unknown what the heck is going to happen. <laughs> like, 
I don't really know much of the theories that's going to happen on next season or like the rumors. Mm. I don't really know much. Right. And I'm curious as to what but the heck they're going to do. <laughs> right, right. And it's 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 interesting because you, you told me that and it was one of the episodes that we did a few weeks back. I think it was Alexis's worst fears have been Peterized. It was one of the, the podcasts that we did, which is a great title. Um you told me that when they announced these Marvel shows, the MCU shows on Disney Play, it didn't even occur to you what that would mean for S.H.I.E.L.D. And I guess I just have the gift where that's where my mind always goes. And that's just how obsessed I am with the show. It's like whenever Marvel does something, I'm like, okay, what does this mean for S.H.I.E.L.D.? And usually it doesn't mean anything good. <laughs> so because like I told you, it's like I felt that this this signaled the end. And you know what? Okay, give me one more good season, and I'm and I'm okay with that because, like I've been saying, look, if you give me one more Daredevil, one more Shield, one more Avengers, fine, give me that, and then I can I can I can be okay with whatever else. Just give me those finales, give me those conclusions to those characters that I've had with me for that I've carried with me for so many years, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited. It looks like they're they're taking some more chances this year. I know that. From what I know about season six, that we, so Jeff Ward as a regular for season six, uh, Clark Gregg is back as like I think a primary director, and let's just face it, we know he's going to come back in some way. Um, we'll see how they handle it. Whether or not he stays alive by the end of the season is a different thing. It's an open question if they're going to deal with the events of the snap. I would love that, but that probably won't happen. Let's just be real. Um, we know that Elizabeth Henstridge, who plays Gemma Simmons, is also a, a first-time director here. She's also directing some episodes, so uh, which is really interesting. Um, we know that we, we probably are going to have to see where they find fits, I guess, because it's looking like we may that they might they might just continue right where they left off, not. There may be a time jump of a couple of months here and there, or maybe they won't, considering if they deal with that snap thing. But we have heard uh, the actor that played Tarion, uh, Cassius, who was the father of um, – uh, who was Papa Cassius, who we saw in the last episodes of season five, um, part of the Confederacy, the one that manipulated Gra- uh, Graviton. Um, that was his name, right? Graviton? Yeah. Uh, 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 I get that confused with Galvatron, which is Transformers, and that's a different <laughs> thing, because they sound so much alike. Yeah. Um, it's a different thing. Um, so the actor who played him said that he was that, uh, that they were calling him back and they were doing some additional stuff. So he may come back. And honestly, I would not mind if he was like, like at least the first half a, a villain, because I – I think there was actually more to that character than what we got. I thought it was a really interesting moment where he played with Daisy's mind. And I, I don't know if it's just the British in him or the way that he, he said his lines, but there was just something really interesting and like sinister to that character that I would love it if he came back. Um, and a nice way to tie in season five. And they might just run into him if they're in space looking for fits. The Confederacy didn't just go away. Graviton didn't just go away, which we don't even know there yet. So um, that's about all we we know of. Um, and I'm okay with it. I know I'm seeing a lot of fans on Twitter saying, oh, my God, I miss S.H.I.E.L.D., I miss S.H.I.E.L.D. I miss. And you know what? No. 
if it's going to be our last season, which it, it will be, I'm okay with the wait. I'm okay with them getting it right. And I love that it's 13 episodes because while I love season five, we did say that um, the less episodes, the better. And why season four worked great is because they divided it into like pods of seven or eight episodes. So I think needless to say, both Francisco and I are a bit like trepidatious about the upcoming superhero projects coming forward and what that may mean and how the quality might turn out to be. Um, and like I've been saying, at least for me, that I've been, you know, I've been saying that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is dead and it died this past summer. Um, that this was the year that it died and this is the year that it's all going to, that the tide will turn for a lot of different things. And for you like Marvel DC people out there that always want, you know, like a war going on, I said the tide may turn this year because of what happened with James Gunn. So, and, and reasons going on and so on and so forth. That's why I'm just particularly ready for some things to just end. That way I can walk away. Um, one thing before we move, we move on, and I hadn't realized how long we've been discussing this. kind of just, you know, it's interesting. Are, do you have any plans to watch Titans? Uh, actually, yeah. I was hoping maybe like in two weeks. Mm. Okay. So I'm hoping two weeks I'm going to uh, make a is it, subscription to DC mm-hmm. Universe. Okay. And I'm hoping to watch it, and I'll be happy to share with you guys if you guys want to see it too. So, Probably. Um, it's interesting because I've heard some really bad things. I've heard some okay things, mm-hmm. some good things. So it's a really interesting mix. So good luck, <laughs> and I'm sure you'll be back to let us know um, how it went yeah. <laughs> for Titans. Um, yeah, there's that. All right, we're going to move on to the next thing real quick. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> God, why? Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, especially for me and Kyle, and even Peter to some extent, and I'm sure the Morenos, both of them. Well, maybe not Alexis. She hasn't really cared for the whole series as a role. I think she likes the first movie yeah. overall. But Yeah, her and I, I think we're about the same. Like We're not huge okay. fans like you guys, but we definitely love the movies. Right, right. It's like, as far as for Peter, Kyle, and myself, like we're huge fans of, of this series. Um, and while we have different opinions on the films themselves and which ones we, we love the most, I think Peter, Kyle, and myself all agree that the, the original trilogy, the first one, two, and three, some of our favorite trilogies. And um, while the quality may differ as far as, you know, our own opinions on it. I mean, for me, I just love the Pirates films. The Pirates films are a huge part of my of my life 10 years ago, and I love them. I love the first one, second, and the third. Like, it, it, I don't know. It's just like... I, <laughs> we have audio commentaries on the Pirates films, at, at least the first four. So if you want to see them, or hear them, I should say, on our, on our podcast feed, they're... They're here if you want to go ahead and, and, and look them up. But four and five is where we <laughs> we have some differences on. Um, Peter and I find four to be entirely boring. Kyle really, really likes it. Um, and then five, Kyle and Peter hate it. Well, no, Kyle hates it. Peter doesn't like it. And I actually enjoy it. Not like it, enjoy it. But overall, I think it 
and it can be agreed that four and five just fell off a cliff even more so than you know the, the first three were. Um, and you can also look this reboot thing that that's in the air. If you're gonna make some kind of sense out of it, Pirates Five kind of ended the thing. You know, it kind of pretty much ended anything else that needed to be addressed. So there you go. That being said, I hate this. <laughs> because why? Yeah. How many times do we have to go back to the well? It's like, seriously, you think the water would have evaporated at this point? It's like, it no. It, we, it has The last Pirates movie came out last year. It's like we're not even waiting a period of time anymore between, re, between reboots. We just have to go into them. I mean, maybe if you had asked me 10 years from now, maybe. But it's like... Also, why? Why can't you just do a Pirates movie completely on its own with new characters that stand, like, that just happens to exist in this universe? Why do you have to reboot everything? And then also, what does that mean? Are you going to do that anyway with new characters? Or are you going to reboot with the same fucking characters? Are you going to have a different Jack Sparrow and a different Will and a different Elizabeth? Because if you're going to do that, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself because that does nothing. That really does nothing for anybody. And either way, let's just be real. This is their way. First of all, yeah, the, the movies haven't, haven't been making as much money, but they still make a lot of money. Like a lot of crazy money. They could have kept going and there were initial plans. But let's just be – let's just call this for what it is. This is their easy and cheap way to rid themselves of Johnny Depp. Because why? Because they don't have the gall, they don't even have the balls themselves to fire him publicly. They're going to get rid of him by ousting him of doing a complete redo and a complete reboot. Which is, I will bet you more than anything, kind of one of the big reasons what motivated this decision to do this. So, I don't, I, honestly, I don't even know what, what, what do you do with a reboot? Like, where, where else is there left to go? And this is coming for somebody that loved the movies. I don't know. And I know you like them, but not as much as us. Like, what do you make of all of this? I mean, no, I mean, I agree with you. It's like, if you're going to reboot it, make it different characters. At least then I'll be kind of like, okay, this is good. Uh, I'll definitely watch it. But if it's like same characters, different actors, like, that's just a, just, just a waste of my time. <laughs> Especially like if you go for the same story. I mean... Uh, what is it? Pirates of the Caribbean? It's Crusty Black Pearl. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It's Black Pearl. It's like, what the? What? <laughs> oh my god. No, don't. And like, and I'm sh- And I think maybe there is some potential for some stories, but, um, they I, just gotta I go insane. They gotta go insane yeah. with it though, because, like, I mean, the whole, I, we had to try it and Poseidon and everything. There is potential, but with new characters. And a different setting. And it's like, just don't... I mean, yes, the future of Pirates of the Caribbean, and you don't have to reboot this, but you have to do something new and just forget about the past. Maybe not disregard it or retcon it, but just don't have to cater to it. Actually, why can't they just focus on, what is it, Will Turner's and Elizabeth's kid? Like, why not just have him? They could. Yeah, it's but like, they probably why are we doing they, just sequel and it's this guy story now. 
I mean, I don't know. You tell me. You tell me. <laughs> I. I also just yeah. It's you know, and it it really fucking sucks because they mishandled this franchise. They really mishandled it. Like even after three, Rob Marshall was the worst fucking choice on earth to direct a Pirate of the Caribbean movie. I mean, really. Like, and then, and then after that, and like. They just don't put that much effort into it. And so, I don't know, like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all I have to say. Anything else on this? Uh, no. It's, well, it's a disappointment. Going from, Not yep, that exciting. Disappointment it's... all around. <laughs> going from one mishandled franchise to another. Star Wars. So, <laughs> so Kathleen Kennedy announced that the Boba Fett film is dead. Okay. Okay. That news would have gotten me to throw a parade about a year ago. And while I'm happy that there's no Boba Fett movie happening anymore, I feel that's kind of disingenuous to say because, and I don't know if you feel this way, but like what I said on the last episode, we talked about The Mandalorian, John Favreau's show. I feel strongly that a lot of what was going to go into that Boba Fett movie was kind of recycled into his show. And this is why I feel this way. Because while his show is called The Mandalorian... Okay. In the description of the Mandalorian, he says, in, continuing in the same line of Jango Fett and Boba Fett. And there I'm like, they were never Mandalorians. They only got the armor. Why would you call the show? From what from what I understand, it's just a copy and paste Boba Fett esque character, but not Boba Fett. But basically Boba Fett, but with different armor and a different time period. Why would you call him the Mandalorian? Why would you call the show the Mandalorian if it doesn't even touch on Mandalore? If those characters have nothing to do with Mandalore, right? And so if you're just making the show about a lone gunman, which is what the words were in that description, well, gee, doesn't that just sound like the Boba Fett movie that they were going to do? That's that's how I feel. Tell me how you feel. No, I I feel exactly the same. I mean, when I yeah, when I heard about it, my first thought was, wait, they're still making it. Is <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure we all could have seen it. We saw it like a mile away. Like they were gonna cancel it because of the Mandalorian. That's basically Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> so, like. I wasn't surprised that it got canceled. I was surprised that it was still on on their list of potential movies. It's weird. Yeah, like people were surprised. This is news. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look again. I don't want this to sound like we're laughing at people, but it's like you should know better at this point. Like, if you don't know this, I don't know what news you're getting. 
where you're getting your news from, but it's like this should be plainly obvious. There's no Boba Fett movie because we made it into a TV show. <laughs> I mean, th- th- that's really what it is. And look, that's not saying that there's no potential and no hope for this live action series. I'm look, I, I, I'm giving it a chance because it's Star Wars and I'm going to go see it. We all are. But there are concerns that we're already seeing because, oh, oh, so you're, you're building this show off the back of a dead carcass. <laughs> so, I mean, that's essentially what's happening. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's all I have to say about that. Um, before we leave, you wanted to mention something about, um, a, a show or a movie that's coming out about based on an anime. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm excited, but then also super worried, but legendary is oh, producing God. a live action. Oh, wait, wait, a live action film. Yeah. Okay. Legendary is producing a live-action movie of an anime that I love called My Hero Academia. So what the show's about is it's a world where people have superpowers. And in that world, people can become superheroes. And they actually Mm. go to a school to become a superhero. And, like, our main character, he's, like, one of the few people that doesn't have powers. But, like, he gains it because he gains it through one of the number ones, number one number one hero in that world like he gets the powers from him and I'm excited because I love the show and this could potentially be a great thing but what I'm worried though is that they go into incredible detail in that show not only like us like how their government works about how they teach the students to become heroes but also how they improve on their powers the details that they go on their powers like one character, he's able to like create explosions from his hands, and he actually like made up his own costume in that his sleeves are like in the shapes of like, grenades, and what that does is it absorbs the sweat from his arm and puts it in this in the point on his on his like grenade, and when he pulls a pin, a giant fireball comes out. It's like mm. that's a, that's incredible details, and then. And so that's just kind of like, that's just one thing that kind of worries me. It's like, oh. Here's the thing, though. So is this going to be a theatrical release? Um, I think so. Or a streaming thing? Theatrical, I think. Okay. Because, well, Legendary is the, the production company, the studio. Do you know if it's, I assume it's going to be Warner Brothers that releases the thing, that, that distributes the film? Because... Um, I don't remember if it was Warner Brothers or Universal that they were that they were working with Legendary Studios. I'm actually not, not sure, sure about that. Yeah, I just heard Legendary's producing it. I'm not sure who else. Well, here's the thing. Um, I don't know. I can't speak to what the quality will be, but. I have a hard time seeing this be all that successful in America because anime adaptations, you can almost kind of lump them in with video game adaptations. They just don't do well. The majority of them are are just not good movies, and then nobody goes and, and spends money to go and see them. 
And then in a lot of ways, because I know anime fans are passionate about their properties. I mean, the reality is this. I never went to go see this movie. But even I'm still reeling from that disaster of a Dragon Ball Z live action film. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) So it's like whoever – whoever's idea it was, I hope he never gets hired again or maybe he already has. But here's (sighs) – anime is a particular genre of storytelling. Not just because it's a TV, but it's like it's designed to be drawn out, not in a bad way, but it's designed to take its time. And it's very particular in how it reveals plot points and how it progresses as a storyline. I argue to the point where translating that into a film is damn near impossible. I know that on Netflix, because Julio Dominguez, a good friend of the show, uh, is a huge fan of Full Metal Alchemist. I know that on Netflix they did a live-action Full Metal Alchemist film, which he says was okay, although he enjoys. I don't know if you're familiar with that property or the live-action film. I saw it, actually, and I thought that was a... uh, I mean, it wasn't great and all that, but I thought that was a pretty good way of adapting. All things considered. Yeah, I thought it was a right. good way to like adapt an anime into a movie. Right, right. They, what's really hard to do, especially for anime to like adapt it to a movie, is that which parts are most important to put in the movie. Especially. Which parts are most important? Because essentially, it's like adapting a TV show into a film or adapting a book into a film, and that's just the thing that I want people to understand: is as much as you love the original incarnation. You might have to give up parts of what made that special into a translation of a film because a film is, what, two hours at most? You don't have the luxury or the time that you had in a TV show or a book to flesh out all of this, like all of these stories. And so you're going to lose a lot of that. Like even even it's not an anime, though anime fans consider it an anime. Avatar The Last Airbender. Look what happened in that film. Trying to stuff in book one into a film, it's it, it just doesn't work. I'd even argue, although people are huge fans of the Harry Potter films, I enjoy Harry Potter. I'd even argue after seeing the movies, I would have preferred a seven-season television show over uh, or over eight movies. Not not that the the films weren't good; they were good. I'm just like maybe I would have. I would have gotten more invested into the world, you know, if there wasn't so much crunch time going on here. Um, or even Hunger Games, too. You see, that, that's, just from, that's just a personal thing for me, but there's not a good track record of adapting this kind of stuff into a film, not uh, an anime or a television show, and this thing is both. And then also, you can't expect the fans at all to be satisfied with what the end result is going to be, because as what we've been saying on Red Spotlight, when you can you can do this with Disney, you do this with Star Wars, you do this with Marvel, especially with Disney though, because they're the ones that you know, especially with with the re live action versions of the animated films. If it's not exactly the same thing, are you really going to like it? And it's like, 
that's not the mindset that I'm approaching it. That's the mindset that many people are going to go in walking into this movie. And I've been saying this, I don't know, for how many weeks now. If you walk in with those set of expectations, then you are not interested in the quality of the film. You are interested in whether or not this thing honored or respected the original iteration that you love so much. And what I'm saying to you is, if you want an adaptation, you need to let go of this need for wanting to see the same thing again. You would hope that if they would take this story, they would take chances. Not just like slight differences. You don't have to change the whole story, but change characters, add new characters. Look at what happened with Batman. You know, Harley Quinn was a brand new character that was introduced in the animated series. And look where she is now. One of the most popular comic book characters of all time that wasn't introduced in a comic book because they tried something new and they did something different. Mr. Freeze was... Mr. Freeze was also in the the show. show. Yeah, that was his first debut, I think. It wasn't the Batman and Robin movie? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) No. How did it go again? How did it go? Ice to freeze you? I don't know the quotes. <laughs> no, actually, I, I know one property that kind of did what you said was um, what is it? American Gods. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's like it's literally one book. It's not like a series of books. It's one book, and it took its time to develop a set of characters that literally only had like one moment in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. And like, I, I, that, was, that was like one of my favorite things in the show. I was like, I couldn't believe they did that. And I mean, I don't know if they're making a season two. I kind of, I think they are, but I'm excited for it because of it. I would expect it. It was, I thought, I thought it was a successful season. I haven't seen it, but I heard a lot of buzz. I know Peter Martinez and I think even Kyle both liked that show, American Gods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, um, well, and go ahead. For me though, like, I agree it doesn't have to be like exact same thing on the movie but I think to me like the only way to like successfully make it an adaptation especially for My Hero Academia is you get a specific scene from the show and there's like a lot of epic moments and make that your goal to like like make that make the story around that scene and like make sure the lead up to it is successful that's all I want from it. Give me mm. details. Like, again, there's a lot of details in this world. Just focus on one. Like, progress it through the story and make that scene from the show awesome. Right. That's because it's always nice. It's always nice to have callbacks, and you know, and and those fan service moments can work if they're used well. I'm not saying for that not to happen. By all means, include them, but make sure there's enough of a mixture of original things being added on here with also some of the greatest moments that you're already used to. And even things that you just would wish would happen in your head. I know for me, I know it's hypocritical for me to say so, but I don't care. And it also makes me <laughs> a bit superior in a bit. Um, is, you know, I said to myself going into Star Wars The Last Jedi, you know, I don't care so long as I get one scene with Luke and Leia and like the scene that ended up happening in the movie like was exactly what I was picturing in my mind with the Luke and Leia theme and and the emotional you know parts to it and I'm like that made me so happy 
Like it really did. Like, and I, I understand how that, like seeing that, like, and live action, seeing it like done in front of your eyes when you've had it in your head all these years and seeing it brought to life in front of you is like a special moment. But they're not all that way. And it really depends on how they're handled. And the fact is, while that was a fan service moment, it was also a story moment that made complete sense for why that had to happen. So you need to find that nice blend. And it, that it sounds easy, easy the way that I'm saying it, but it's not. It's really hard to find that mixture and blend of it. But it's interesting. We'll see where what happens when it when it comes out. But speaking of anime, are you? We need to work something out between you and me because you know I, I've been thinking about Dragon Ball recently, and I still haven't finished Dragon Ball Super. I I'm still like way way behind. Like the original tournament, I think with with Hit, and yeah, I'm like way I'm I'm really behind, and so. At some point, it'd be great because I'm, I'm assuming you're a big fan of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball, and all that stuff. Because like, and the pe- there are people that live and breathe and eat Dragon Ball. It's interesting because that was such. That's one of my favorite fandoms ever. One of my favorite shows. One of my favorite properties. I'm not kidding you. That there was a time where I, that was my go. That was my Agents of Shield back in the day. With <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. It was amazing. Dragon Ball and all that crap. Um, and I know that Peter and Kyle never experienced it, which blows my mind because I know people, people who grew up on this, it's like, this is something really special. Um, and so it's like, I, I really would at one, at one point bring that in to our rotation of discussions whenever we can. Um, cause I've seen Dragon Ball Super and what I love most about Dragon Ball Super, the parts that I have seen is that. It reminds me so much of why I love the show in the first place of Dragon Ball Z. Um, and it's just so nice to have a revival back um, that feel that feels like it never left in the first place. Um, did you like Dragon Ball Super? Oh, or? I loved it. Okay, Especially just making sure. the ending of it. Like, dude, catch up. You're gonna love it. Oh the my god. I know. I, I, I'm so behind. I really am. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I know of some things that happen, but I still need, I need to see them mm-hmm. um, for what happens. But it's just incredible. Well, let me look at the clock. Oh, my. We're over time. <laughs> it usually happens that way. Well, um, I want to thank uh, Francisco for uh, joining us today. It's been a wonderful conversation. I want to thank all of you for listening. I can uh, remember remember to catch our shows every Sunday and sometimes on Thursdays. On podcast.com, Mixler, iTunes, Google Play, so on and so forth, you can catch the Fantasy Fair podcast hosted by Kyle, Andrew Lira, and Alexis Moreno, and just so much more going on. I'd encourage everyone, even though if it's it's November when this episode will go up, but the Halloween episode that we did with uh, Michael Myers was amazing, and then also we'll have a review up on... Bad Times at the El Royale, and as we, we talked about Doctor Who at the beginning of the show, make sure to catch Who Knows every single Tuesday, which we've called Who's Days, um, <laughs> with myself and Kyle reviewing the new uh, episodes of Doctor Who. Um, so without further ado, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.